What's up, guys? It's finally here, week one of the NFL season, and we've got a loaded show to get things started in 2020. First, we're rolling through the news, injury updates, contracts, and what it means for players moving forward. Our first edition of Rapid Fire, and let's win you some money with our DFS Deep Dive. Follow us at Tutty Talk. Let's roll. This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. He did what? It's a C-back attack. I'm really not into dreams anymore. Okay, I'm in the nightmare. A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. You like that? You like that? Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm going to I'm going to say it. I'm going to put you on blast. Kevin Nelson. It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson and there's nothing we can do about it. And Chase Daskalos. No. Lamar Jackson is going to be a top five quarterback. We made it. 2020. It starts today. If you're listening on this Thursday, September the 10th, we're recording the day before. And we're going to be watching football 24 hours from now recording the show. Kevin, Bryce, and Chase, Teddy Talk, episode 26. The NFL season is finally here. Bryce, what's up? Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a little bit of a roughish type of week. We've got a lot of fires going on here in the state of Oregon and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a little rough for a lot of people out there. Fortunately, not for us. Um, but being as a guy who works for a news station, it's just nonstop. So tomorrow with the football game is the light at the end of the tunnel and I cannot wait to sit down and watch. Patrick Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson. What a way to start off the season. Can't wait. Yeah, kind of before I wanted to get into football too, just wanted to say I'm sitting up in my room looking out my window at this orange smoky sky, and it's it's pretty devastating knowing kind of what's going on across our state right now. So thoughts and prayers out for those that are affected by everything going on. We're fortunate enough to be safe here uh, in Portland, but it's just kind of weird. Just watching Kevin and I today, we're uh, working from home and you just looked out the window you saw it coming. And mm-hmm. you think Kevin and I just kind of looked at each other like, well, it's here. And just this big wall of smoke. So again, thoughts and prayers for everyone affected by that. But Bryce, like you said, light, light at the end of the tunnel, 23 hours from kickoff. Let's get into the news. News from around the league. Up first, the Browns, well, they signed backup running back Kareem Hunt to a two-year, $13.25 million contract after everything that happened in in Kansas City and the off-field issues with Kareem Hunt. He's locked into this backfield now for the next two seasons. Uh, It's an extension, so three seasons, really, this year, the following two seasons after that. And uh, immediately, you think of Nick Chubb when this comes to mind. 
Green Punts ADP kind of always on the rise throughout this offseason and couldn't tell you where it's at at the off the top of my head, but in PPR leagues, it's it's rising quicker than in most. So, uh, guys, I just want to ask you quickly on Kareem. What does it mean for Nick Chubb? Are you at all concerned, especially in Dynasty? I think you have to be concerned because Kareem Hunt is actually a good football player. He's probably, speaking of just backups and pure pure talent, Kareem Hunt is the best. And we know what he did last year when he came back from that suspension and what what it did to Nick Chubb and, and how that basically affects him going forward. I, I, it's hard to project Nick Chubb as a top 10 dynasty running back going forward, even though he's probably one of the best pure runners in the league. And that's what really sucks if you're a Nick Chubb owner. Fortunately, I'm not, but I, I feel for those Nick Chubb owners because they, they thought they had a diamond in the rough uh, in that draft because he fell so far into the first round of rookie drafts and, and now Kareem Hunt is there for two more years you know it's 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 not good for Nick Chubb I still think he's good I still think he'll be fine in fantasy but uh, it definitely caps his upside and and it also caps Kareem Hunt's upside too so um, uh, you want the pass catching back and I think right now that's that's Kareem Hunt so I think there's a little bit of a of a safer floor with Kareem knowing that he's going to be that guy out of the backfield catching the passes. So again, it's just kind of funny how if you listen to us, you'd be in better position today than a lot of people who have bought into Nick Chubb. And, and again, yeah, he's probably one of the greatest purest rushers in the NFL, but with what Nick or excuse me, with what Kareem Hunt does to his splits in the receiving game, that's why we had him outside the top 10. That's why we weren't drafting him at the end of the first round of the start of the second round. Moving on. Uh, this happening today, Jalen Rager, full participant in practice today. The bulletproof prospect, uh, what some are calling first round pick in this year's draft, arguably the team's wide receiver one heading into week one if he's healthy. Deshaun Jackson, uh, also there as well. Alshon Jeffrey, they tried to trade him. But we didn't want to see Rager miss any time. Of course, we've all been really, really high on him since the draft and, and really before then since the combine. Um, but this is great news. Hopefully, he, he's able to play and suit up in week one and not miss as much time as we thought with the shoulder injury. But uh, not really much to talk about in this. That's just exciting that he's going to be on the field, I guess, if you guys have anything to add to that. Uh, yeah, real quick. I If I was a Jalen Rager owner, I'd actually not like to see him play this week. Uh, it's a slight tear in his labrum, and you know I think, you know, he's one good hit away from completely tearing it. And I think that you might as well play it safe. It just feels like they're kind of rushing him back a little bit. But everything out of Philadelphia is telling us that he should be good to go, um, and everything's going well for him. And it's something he's going to have to have surgery on later, if not uh, after the season. I'd. I don't know if this is exciting news. I mean, I don't know what kind of impact he's going to have. It kind of reminds me of Anthony Miller a little bit uh, when he was battling through that similar injury and he just didn't perform as well. I don't know. It's uh, it's You could look at it either way. I, I would prefer them to not try to rush him back and just take his time, recover, and uh, come back healthy 100% and be able to do what he's supposed to do on the field as the wide receiver one of this uh, this team. 
two things that I'm going to highlight that we're going to talk about later. So I'm not going to go too much into depth here, but with this news, no, you're still not playing Jalen Rager in week one. If he was completely healthy, I would love it. I think he could yeah. absolutely smash against Washington. They have, they have nobody in their secondary. Uh, so not playing Jalen Rager. And then two, it kind of bums my ownership that I have of Deshaun Jackson in DFS, where now all of a sudden Deshaun Jackson looked like he was just going to be the guy he torched Washington last year. Now sprinkle in maybe a little bit of Jalen Rager who knows how much he plays. He could play the whole game, but I'm just not willing to take that risk in a seasonal lineup. And then in the cash lineup, it, it, it just, it, it could ruin Deshaun Jackson's upside. When I correct myself really quick, he was limited today in practice. So not a full participant yet, but Wednesday still has a couple of more days to get ready before the weekend. If he's going to play uh, another guy that didn't practice earlier this week was Brandon cooks. And we've been really high on Will Fuller for the Texans this season going around the same spot in ADP and a lot of people oh, cooks or fuller. It's a really tough decision, but not for us. We like the upside with Will Fuller cooks going to be out. This is a game that's happening tonight. If you're listening to the pod on Thursday, tomorrow night for us, Will Fuller looks like the smash play in this game for the Texans at wide receiver and maybe the best overall wide receiver in this matchup with the Texans likely playing from behind most of the time. No, I'm going to say it now uh, before the season starts. And this is the perfect day to say it because obviously they play tomorrow. Uh, if Will Fuller plays all 16 games, he will be a fantasy top 10 wide receiver. Book it. It's going to happen. He's the only he's the only guy on that team catching the ball. And Deshaun Watson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. This team's going to be playing from behind with how bad their defense is. Will Fuller is the guy to own. Uh, the fact is, is that he hasn't played a full season. But if he does, he has so much upside. I think it's it's easy to slot him in as a top ten guy over a thousand yards, uh, over six touchdowns. As long as he stays healthy, we just have to see it. I want you guys to guess at what Will Fuller's over-under for receptions is set at for Thursday night against the Chiefs. Ooh, I want to say five and a half. Seven and a half. Four and a half. Oh. If you want to smash that, you have my blessing. Green light, especially if there's no Brandon Cooks. There's really no tight end of consequence there. You have Darren Fells and Jordan Akins, which nobody really likes. Kenny Stills is is like four and a half. That <laughs> he how does he not hit four and a half? That's Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun Watson completes 12 passes. Five of them are going to Will Fuller. It'll dump some off to Duke Johnson and David Johnson, but four and a half is a smash. Maybe they think he's just going to yoink his uh, his hammy in the in the first drive. Like, <laughs> yeah, injuries baked into it. I think the stereotype of who yeah. Will Fuller is as kind of a deep threat burner is that if you go back and look at his game, I mean, I'm sure what it's based off of essentially is what his career receptions per game average is at probably four and a, around four and a half. And he's so I, good. He's really that good. He just had a guy named DeAndre Hopkins playing in front of him his yeah. whole career, too. So, segues right into the next guy. D Hop signed a two year, $54.5 million contract extension with the Cardinals. Uh, makes him, I believe, the highest paid receiver in the game right now. DeAndre Hopkins, worth every penny, sure. Uh, people still questioning maybe this connection between him and Kyler Murray and it taking a little bit more time to develop. It's not going to be as fluid as it was with. Watson, a guy we were just talking about, but I, I don't know. I'm just all on 
this DeAndre Hopkins train for 2020. I don't have him in very many leagues because I'm taking running backs that early in drafts. But what's not to like about DeAndre Hopkins this year, next year, and the year after that? It, it looks like a pretty awesome deal for him, obviously. And the Cardinals got to be happy. They have their number one air raid receiver locked up uh, through 2022 now. I think this is great for the Cardinals. Um, I, I saw something today. I can't. 100% confirm that it's factual, but I saw that Hopkins was his own agent negotiating this deal. Mm-hmm. He was. That's really cool. I, I think that's awesome. He got uh, the most money uh, a non-quarterback player's ever gotten. That's that's fucking that's fucking sick. And he did it by himself. I still think this Arizona team's bad, and I don't I don't think this team's finishing 500 this year. I don't see a lot of changes on uh, either side of the ball besides Hopkins. And that's just how I feel. Last year, they were 5-10-1. and one. Uh, I, I think they're a few games better than that, but I don't think that they're going to have a winning record. So we'll see how much success this team has. I think it's great for Kyler Murray and D- D-Hop. They're going to be uh, in positive game scripts. So fantasy-wise, they should be fine. I don't, I'm not as worried about uh, the new scheme and new offense for Hopkins to come in and, and that uh, playing into his production uh, negatively, so I think I think they're going to be fine. I think Kyler Murray's got a bright future, and uh, it's that's the number one guy that you'd want on your team to throw to. That's for damn sure. So, quick little personal pitch here: uh, some exciting news. I'm starting to write some articles for the guys over at the Breakout Finder, a pretty prominent business figure uh, in the fantasy football community. So. Again, kind of side note, I'll let you guys know when some of those articles are up. They're super interesting. But why I bring this up is that today I was writing about Christian Kirk, which includes obviously Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, this contract extension is great news for Kyler Murray and his dynasty value being tethered to DeAndre Hopkins long term. The point of my article really is about how undervalued Christian Kirk is. But kind of what I wanted to to mention is there's a lot of feeling in the fantasy community and there's been quite the downgrade of deandre hopkins fantasy outlook for 2020 and going forward a lot of people don't really know why um what's interesting is that the last time that deandre hopkins had a teammate that also reached 100 targets in one season was 2014 so five years ago we're coming up on six years now that the last time he had like significant target competition well in arizona Last year, Christian Kirk in 13 games had 108 targets and Larry Fitzgerald had 109. So he's now entering this environment where two receivers have had 100 targets and that hasn't happened for DeAndre Hopkins in in five years. So that significant target competition is is where a lot of people don't kind of understand like, oh, well, isn't aren't they going to throw more? Yes, they're going to throw more. But the target competition that he's seeing is something that he hasn't seen in half a decade. Right. Right. We'll see how it pans out for the air raid offense. Uh, Kyler Murray this season um, to New England. We go ESPN's Mike Rice writes that the Patriots figured to ease Sony Michelle into the mix of this running back group that features Damian Harris, James White, Rex Burkhead. A lot of guys in this backfield. I and mean, shit, Cam Newton's going to run the ball a lot, too, if he's healthy and good to go this season. So uh, Sony wants maybe a top 20 running back is slid significantly and certainly not practicing has affected his draft stock this season in seasonal leagues and, and definitely in dynasty, just not ready to go uh, at the start of the season because of the foot injury. What are your thoughts on Sony in this clusterfuck of a backfield that has Damian Harris out for a couple of weeks too on IR? 
It's James White season, ladies and gentlemen. 2018 James White season. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. He's got a, a quarterback that I think is going to be better for his production. Um, but we'll find out. Uh, that's something I'm going to have to wait and see to believe. Uh, Tom Brady was obviously pretty pretty solid with James White, but uh, I think Cam Newton has a little bit more of an of uh, some upside when it comes to throwing to his running backs, um, and I think that this team likes to do that a lot. And without healthy players, James besides James White, um, I don't I don't know what else there is to play besides him. So. We'll we'll go over that matchup a little bit later, but uh, try to try to go get James White for cheap because I don't think he's costing much, uh, and I think dynasty owners are looking to move him if they can for a second round pick. I think would be a great a great trade if you're if you're desperate at running back. I actually in one of our other dynasty leagues just sold James White for a twenty one second and kind of set at running back. I have DeAndre Swift, Kamek, not necessarily for the year, but I kind of went into the the approach of this draft as to playing for the future a little bit, punt a little bit. I have DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DJ Moore, just kind of like I'm set with young guys. It was like, hey, you know what, James White, not really. I'm probably not going to win this year. Let's get a second for him. Uh, but back to the Sony news, there's probably not a guy that I care less about than, than Sony Michelle. And Yes to the James White. He is a guy that we're going to talk about later for DFS this week. I'm not 100% sold uh, because they're playing Miami, and I know that there's really nobody there. But if James, excuse me, if Sony Michelle is getting carries, not that James White is super game script dependent, but they should probably smash Miami. And you filter in now Rex Burkhead, who's probably unfortunately going to get some run. It's not the ideal situation in game for James White. But at his price that we'll talk about later when we talk about DFS, he's definitely going to be a guy that I play in some of my lineups. Oh, the biggest pickup of the week in all of your dynasty leagues. It had to be James Robinson. Mm -hmm. Jaguars listed James Robinson as their starting running back on the depth chart for week one of this 2020 season. And everybody scrambled to their waiver wires and used all of their fab to claim a guy named James Robinson. What does this actually mean uh, for the starting running back on arguably a team that's going to be down in every single game this season? Well, he's a great waiver wire pickup, uh, especially when you don't have to spend that much. And I can tell you right now, in a lot of our leagues, there's not a lot of great running backs to pick up. You know, it's a waiver wire pickup. What can go wrong? Worst case scenario, you just picked up a guy that uh, got a starting role and somehow loses it, but uh, the other running backs behind him are all banged up. So there's really nothing to worry about, except for maybe Daria Gumbawale, who they uh, brought along as well. He has the college production profile. It doesn't matter that he played at some shitty lower tiered school. Um, but he he can he can he can run the ball. He can catch the ball a little bit. He's not the fastest. He runs a four six four forty, but he's got the burst score and ninety second uh, percentile. Undrafted, so you're not that confident. But hey, Philip Lindsay was undrafted at one point. Maybe this is the next undrafted running back for you to pick up. Um, and that and I think that that's worth a shot to take and you should go try to scoop them up if you can. I think it's interesting. So, again, uh, kind of relating it to us, he was on the waiver wire in our the Dynasty League that the three of us are in. Saw him on there, thought about putting a bid in. I didn't put a bid on him 
Uh, do I regret it a little bit? But really why I didn't is that I was going to have to drop somebody and there was nobody on my roster that I, that I would have liked to drop for James Robinson. I have Joe Reed who I've hyped up. I have Gabriel Davis who's a fourth round pick who's looked dominant in camp. So really, Bryce, I completely agree with you. Free dart throw, absolutely. They named him the starting running back in week one. Do I think is going to be anything? Personally, I don't. But somebody stashing your taxi squad, just kind of see what James Robinson does. Sure. What's weird and interesting to me is I've been working on some models really looking at the determining factors in what makes a running back score fantasy points. And on an in completely tiny sample size, for some reason, the other guy in this backfield, Divine Oxigbo, keeps popping up at the top of my fucking models and it's driving me insane because he's another undrafted guy, very similar to James Robinson, decent production profile, can catch the ball a little bit. And it's going to be between those two. Raquel Armstead, the third guy there, is on the COVID list, I think, for the second time. It's kind of phasing him out. But I don't know why, but Divine Oxigbo keeps popping up. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if James Robinson doesn't pan out. I, I dropped AP for him. That's what I did. Uh, and I, I think when there's less competition in a backfield that I know DeAndre Swift is eventually going to take over there uh, when he's healthy, I would rather in Dynasty pick up uh, an undrafted guy that might have more than two-plus years of production and value to my team and if he does some, somehow turn into like a Philip Lindsay player, then, you know, I think I've won. I think I think AP is – no one's paying anything for AP. No one's paying a third-round pick for AP. Somebody might offer you 30 fab for him or something, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'd rather take a guy that's going to offer me more than a possible third-round pick going forward in Dynasty. I think of last year – and this happened in the middle of the season, but kind of similar where it's like, okay, holy shit, there's nobody here. Carry on Johnson's are, but well, I think I think of Bo Scarborough with this. People were flying to the fucking waving wires to pick up Bo Scarborough, Alabama running back. How is he not rostered? Uh, he's got a good production profile, good athletic profile. He's fucking huge. And then I'll have you heard a thing about Bo Scarborough? No, because with a guy and a team like that that's rebuilding, they've invested zero draft capital into James Robinson. What's going to happen is if he pops, I want you to sell him because next year in the second round, what's the ideal spot? Not an ideal spot, but maybe the most um, probable team to take a running back next year would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. No doubt. I, I totally agree. It, this is a, I threw in a waiver wire claim and I sold him for picks. That's a huge, <laughs> huge swing in value that you should be really happy with. Uh, holding on to him for too long might, you know, get you in trouble. So maybe we saw that with Philip Lindsay until he killed it in camp this year too. You know, we were kind of going, okay, he, he beat out Royce and then Melvin Gordon shows up. He goes, shit, he totally lost his job again, but maybe not. We'll, we'll see. Um, so you Philip Lindsay truthers, maybe me being one of them. Uh, oh, you've got new life. We're definitely one of them. <laughs> Chargers coach Anthony Lynn said Mike Williams with his shoulder injury will likely be a game-time decision for week one against the Bengals this weekend uh, there in Cincinnati. We saw the injury on uh, Hard Knocks. He just landed square on his shoulder, and the position coach runs out. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. Oh, no. 
But Mike Williams probably not being drafted very often in your seasonal leagues. At least I would hope not. Um, you know, on top of the injury news, having a quarterback that doesn't really throw it down the field that often, and then a rookie, you know, kind of what sounds to be an emergency situation guy at this point with how uh, they think of Tyrod Taylor. I don't think Mike Williams is necessarily even rosterable at this point uh, in a lot of leagues, unfortunately. No, definitely not. Uh, I've never owned Mike Williams. I've never wanted to own Mike Williams. I think, you know, Keenan Allen is set up for a good week one. Um, I know you guys are a lot lower on Keenan Allen than I am. Um, so if if you're an owner of Keenan Allen and he pops off uh, this first week, you know, you should probably look to sell him. But um, I think if this becomes a lingering issue for Mike Williams, Keenan Allen is set up once again for a, uh, an underrated season like usual. And I think him being the primary target like he normally is with one less person to compete for targets, I mean, at a certain point we just have to assume that volume triumphs uh, even if there isn't a lot of volume. And uh, we know that Keenan Allen's a possession receiver. Uh, we know that Hunter Henry will be involved, but in, but then after that, it's it's Eckler, and uh, out of those three, you know, Keenan Allen is is going to be fed, and they they've been hyping him up uh, all off season. Justin Herbert's been hyping him up all off season, so I think Keenan Allen's just going to be fine where he is, and he's going to do what he normally does. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at with uh, the Mike Williams news. I'm just confused because I, I swear the last thing that I heard is that Mike Williams is going to be at, out at least a month. Yeah. And it's like the same thing with Jalen Rager. Oh, week four for Jalen Rager. And now they're like, I saw a video today of Jalen Rager running routes and going through drills and getting slapped and shit. And it's like, holy, what? <laughs> Until week four. So, I mean, fuck, wait. I think he is rosterable. Again, we don't know how how long he's going to be out, but he's a guy who's due for like a double digit touchdown season randomly. Um, he's got the air yards. He's got all the kind of the deep target shit for a guy that could potentially pop off. So I'll, I'll pick him up, Mikey Williams, baby. <laughs> Yuck! All right, that's it for the news. We're going to get into our first edition of Rapid Fire here. Kind of a, an idea that we came up to go through this stardom sit a little bit of matchup analysis for every game of the week. It's of course, starting with Thursday, finishing with the Monday night games, we are going to alternate every game. And I know this sounds like a lot, but listeners like, Oh Jesus, this episode is going to be two and a half hours long. And we're going to talk about every game. No, we're taking 20 to 30 seconds for each game. And Bryce is going to kick us off here with rapid fire. It's Houston and Kansas city. Let's go. This matchup is clearly less about who to play and more about who not to play. For the Chiefs, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, CEH, Travis Kelsey are all clearly starts. But what about Sammy Watkins, the wide receiver too? To that, we say fuck no. For the Texans, Deshaun Watson, David Johnson, and Will Fuller, the fifth. If you somehow have nothing else to play before week fucking one, play Randall Cobb next. A battle between the two NFC North heavyweights, Green Bay and Minnesota, starts in the backfield where Aaron Jones sunk the Vikings last year with 25 and 28 fantasy points in their two matchups. 
Devontae Adams has zero target competition. An entirely new secondary lists Rodgers to startable after struggling versus the Vikings in 2019. Let Lazard, MVS, and Robert Tanyan ride the pine. Dalvin should grate the cheeseheads again after being Week 2's RB1 in their matchup a year ago. Thielen will get peppered with digs out in Buffalo and avoid Captain Kirk Cousins if you can. If you're weak at tight end, start Minnesota's projected number two pass catcher, Irv Smith Jr. Philadelphia and Washington. The Octobox just doesn't hit right without an NFC East rivalry. Easy picks for this one. Philly, you start Wentz. Miles Sanders, although he's questionable, you got to ride that for a touchdown. Ertz and Deshaun Jackson in your flex. Avoid a questionable Alshon Jeffrey and never start our good friend J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. For the Washington football team, pump the brakes on the Antonio Gibson hype train. Despite his ESPN projection of clearly or close to 11 points in PPR, Terry McLaurin draws cornerback Darius Slay, but still should crack your starting lineup this week. New York Jets at Buffalo. Adam, a waste of gaze, takes on the very stout Buffalo Bills defense to kick off what we expect as a disaster of a season for the New York Jets. You most likely drafted Le'Veon Bell as your second RB, and even in this matchup situation, you will have to play him. If you drafted a robust RB team like we told you to, you should sit Bell in order to avoid capping your upside. Also, look to Chris Herndon as another possible start if you're indecisive about who to play at tight end. Bill's Mafia, a word of advice. Stop breaking tables and start your Josh Allens, start your Stephon Diggs, and start the sleeper pick of your draft, and that boy is Zach Moss. Baltimore's Super Bowl aspirations start at home against the Browns in a divisional matchup. A Ravens seismic smash looks promising with starters at each position in Lamar, Mark Andrews, and Mark Ingram. Stay away from Dobbins' unsure workload, but new and improved Hollywood Brown could be your week one wide receiver one. The Browns are the first to try this beefy Ravens front. Bench Baker and Austin Hooper. Start Chubb who shredded Baltimore in week four last year, and the playing from behind potential bodes well for OBJ, Jarvis, and even new contract man Kareem Hunt in your flex. Indy heads to Jacksonville to take on the tanking Jags in an AFC South matchup. After blowing things up, it's safe to say we'll be starting DJ Chark nearly every week in 2020. Bench Manchu, Robinson, Zigbo, Chenault, Westbrook, and yes, tight end James O'Shaughnessy too. I like the Colts defense throughout the first four games, so look to pick them up if they're on your waiver wire or you've yet to pick a defense up this season. The Colts should dominate this dismantled defense. But how does that affect their fantasy production? Start T.Y. and future Hall of Famer Jonathan Taylor in the flex. Bench Rivers, Jack Doyle, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Paris Campbell, and rookie Michael Pittman. Fantasy football history could be made with what should kick off to a hot start for Christian McCaffrey as he takes on the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 1. The Raiders start the year with the 21st-ranked defense after surrendering 27 points per game last season. Besides CMC, who else could make a fantasy impact? There should be no doubt DJ Moore will get his, but is there another pass catcher that deserves a look? Survey says Curtis Samuel in your flex provides decent upside. Even worse than the Raiders, Carolina is at 32. And in that case, Josh Jacobs, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, and even Derek Carr are easy smashes in this matchup. Out to Ford Field where the Bears are set to take on Detroit. Mitch Trubisky could be benched at any time, so we are out. Start Allen Robinson with confidence and Tariq Cohen in your flex spot if David Montgomery is ruled out. I hope you don't have to start Anthony Miller in week one. 
Chicago's defense is stout, but Stafford's ceiling keeps him startable. Kenny G is an easy play, but let's lay off Marvin Jones here. Chicago was weak against tight ends last year, so fire up TJ Hawkinson, baby, and don't touch the Detroit backfield. My favorite Seattle Seahawks take the road to Atlanta and meet the Falcons in the early window on Sunday. Russ, Carson, Lockett, DK, all easy starts for Seattle as we love the potential shootout for DFS too. Stay clear of that tight end room until we see clear leader in the group between Olsen and Disley. Matty Ice, Gurley, Julio, Calvin Ridley, and Hayden Hurst all earn a spot in my starting lineups this week. Lack of a pass rush equals time to do just about anything for both teams. What does Bill Belichick have up his sleeve from Miami in week one? It's a six foot five, 240 pound man who's only had a completion percentage over 62% one time in his career. It begs the question, though, are we still playing Cam Newton? I don't hate it. Even with the limited receiving options, Newton always brings red zone rushing upside. In addition, Edelman and James White both offer a safe floor and significant upside with other limited players at their respective positions. Avoid Sony Michelle at all costs. As for Miami, well, I'm avoiding all offensive options going up against New England's nightmarish secondary. Chargers, Bengals, and the first look at Joey Burrow in Cincinnati. Scrambling Tyrod is a sneaky smash against a team who gave up the most rushing yards to QBs last year. Austin Eckler will be electric in the backfield, while Keenan Allen is vacuuming up even more targets with Mike Williams questionable. If for some reason you have Hunter Henry on your squad, play him too, but don't touch anyone else. There's a singular bangle to start, and it's Joe Mixon. Avoid Burrow in his first career start versus a pesky L.A. defense and shy away from the wide receiver by committee head coach Zach Taylor talked about on Monday. You can play Tyler Boyd, but temper your expectations. I have no faith in A.J. Green. We've been calling for a Super Bowl hangover in San Fran. And now they didn't win it last year. Maybe it starts a little bit early for the Niners. Kyler Murray headlines a group of starters despite this 49er defense that he kind of shredded last year. Hopkins, Kenyon, Drake, Christian Kirk all make it into my starting lineups for the weekend. The offense is going to put up points after posting 25 and 26 points against the NFC champs a season ago. For Sam Fran, George Kittle and Raheem Mostert are the two guys I feel confident in starting week one, but no Jimmy G. Debo Samuel, Ayuk McKinnon cracking into my lineups this week, uh, regardless of how Arizona's defense played last season. Sneaky DFS play? Might call for Kendrick Bourne if he's a game-time decision as the number one wide receiver. Brady and Breeze are finally in the same division, and what better way to start the season than watching two future Hall of Famers duke it out? Yes, I highly recommend playing both of them along with their pass-catching weapons. Godwin and Michael Thomas are the easy play decisions, but what should you do with Mike Evans, Gronk, and Emmanuel Sanders? Evans is dealing with a soft tissue injury and is being listed as a game-time decision. Gronk, having missed a year, is in a see-it-to-believe-it type of situation for me, as well as Emmanuel Sanders. For the running backs, don't overthink Kamara, even though he is going up against one of the toughest D-lines in football. You were never going to bench him anyways. And as for Tampa Bay, it could go either way between Fournette and Ronald Jones. It looks to be a pick-your-poison type of decision. The first Sunday night football game of the year is Dallas at the LA Rams in the new SoFi Stadium as Dak, Zeke, Amari, and Gallup are all bright green lights in what should be one of the highest-scoring games of the week. Plug in Blake Jarwin if he's your tight end one, but hold off on CeeDee Lamb until we see his role. 
Jared Goff, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Tyler Higby are your guys for the Rams. After McVay said a three running back committee is all systems go, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. A Monday night football doubleheader starts early, 4:10 Pacific Standard Daylight Time, as the Steelers and Giants play on ESPN. The Giants' obvious start is Saquon Barkley, but I'm also starting Evan Ingram before he goes down with an injury. Fuck it, add Darius Slayton to the starts too. I'm out on Daniel Jones, the other two wide receivers, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. Big Ben is back and ready for a comeback season. He's a start for me, along with James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, Eric Ebron, and summer hype superstar Deontay Johnson. The Titans take on my Denver Broncos at the infamous Mile High Stadium, where Denver has won seven straight home openers. But can they make it eight after losing one of the best defensive players in the NFL in Vaughn Miller? There's no question that Tennessee brings one of the better defenses to the table, so how does Denver's offense fare against it? For Denver, I'd only look to play Sutton, Melvin Gordon, and Phillip Lindsay. Jerry Judy will one day be a solid fantasy start, most likely sooner rather than later, but until then, I want to see how this offense operates before I jump to conclusions. For Tennessee, no need to hesitate playing the two actual titans of this offense known as Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. They will offer you plenty of fantasy points throughout the season. In addition, I'd be cautious about playing Tannehill and Jonu Smith in this matchup, but if you don't have any other options, I don't hate starting them either. And that is week one. Woof. That was a lot. Wow. 16 games starting Thursday night, ending doubleheader on Monday night. Love how they do that to start the season. Um I know Herb Street's going to be on the call for one of those games. we got a new Monday night crew as well. Uh, but it's going to be weird without fans. The whole experience, I think, is going to be really unique, and it'll be interesting to see how each network kind of changes things up to make it a, as good of a fan experience as possible. Um, but, of course, we've got Red Zone on Sunday all day, so that will be sweet. But that gets you caught up with everything that's going to happen this week. Now let's dive into our DFS deep dive. Uh Daily fantasy football is really, really tough to be competitive in for a lot of people. And you feel like you're throwing your money at the wall, hoping something sticks and hoping somebody pops off for you to earn some money. Well, this year, really putting all three of our heads together, driven by data analytics, a bunch of different sites. Chase, you've kind of gotten beyond the paywall on a few of these to, to see what their projections are. And we saw that in the ABA this year in your success. And we're trying to roll that into football season where you saw a lot of success in cash games last year and we'll start there just kind of these cash player pools and and what guys were kind of targeting at first chase let's talk about the difference between cash and tournament i, I bet a lot of people are going what the fuck is i'm playing daily fantasy i'm on FanDuel. i'm on DraftKings. what's the difference first uh let's start with cash yeah so quick little disclaimer too it's really hard to build dfs lineups early in the week because of what we've seen today with jalen rager mike williams mike evans has the hamstring injury miles sanders now all of a sudden who was an absolute lock smash in every single one of our tournament and cash lineups now apparently could have a limited role on sunday nursing his hamstring injury so like what the fuck do you do so again be super flexible we're talking about this on wednesday there's thursday friday saturday there's three four days in between what we're saying now and what can change so again we're gonna kind of talk about the guys that are in our player pool but week in week out there'll be these what we call free squares that pop up where say all of a sudden 
Miles Sanders is ruled completely out and you're a big fan of Boston Scott and you want to stick him into your uh, RB3 and your flex spot on FanDuel because he has a high upside, absolutely go for that. And that that might not be somebody that we talk about today just because everything is so dynamic and changing. But back to what you're asking about, cash tournament, quick explanation. I dove into this uh, a couple episodes ago, but tournament, you're paying $4. You're entering into the FanDuel Millie Maker. You want the highest upside lineup that you can build. Hollywood Brown, Henry Ruggs, Lamar Jackson, uh, Christian McCaffrey, any lineup that you can build that you think, I don't care if these guys score zero points, but it'd be fucking awesome if they scored 250. You don't really care about our $4. Now for cash, to win money in cash, you just have to finish in the top 50%. If you finish in first or if you finish in 50th in a 100-player pool, it does not matter. You win the same amount of money. If it's a $50 entry, you win double your entry. You win your entry back plus 50 So what we want to do for this, where it doesn't really matter whether you're in first or 50th, we want the highest floor, safest players that you can build. Some of the players that you're playing in tournaments will be played in your cash lineups too. Like I mentioned with uh, Miles Sanders and there'll be free squares that you'll smash week to week. So again, it's super fun just to play with the salaries, look what you can build on FanDuel keep your lineups open and in my opinion you can submit stuff on FanDuel and you can edit it all the way up until kickoff right when kickoff starts so I could submit something today and I could go and change that lineup right before kickoff on Sunday morning but what I caution you with now is if you enter a lineup now one I would not even be set with that being your lineup because again so many things have changed and two don't forget it because there'll be late swaps that you can go in and do there going to be guys who are going to tweak something anything so much can change from now until sunday so stay on your toes all right so let's roll through one of our lineups it's sure to change and we're going to post it on social media here in a little bit but um let's start with the tournament lineup because we feel a little bit more confident about that one and and that's the one that you're saying we maybe shouldn't be as confident in Uh, but i like it right now and how it stands it's lamar jackson christian mccaffrey josh jacobs let's start there with those three those are Hmm. all three big high profile names and and Chase, you like each matchup for these guys, but not only that, but the volume and, and what to expect from these guys in their matchups. Sure, they're superstar players, but uh, especially Josh Jacobs against Carolina. Right. So the question that I always ask myself is, is there a world where this guy scores 40 fantasy points? That's kind of the question that I ask myself. Is there a world where Lamar Jackson scores 40 fantasy points? Yes. Christian McCaffrey? Yes. Josh Jacobs? Maybe not so much, but 40 fantasy points is a lot. But is it in his range of outcomes? Absolutely. The dude could get four goal line carries, four touchdowns. Raiders all of a sudden include him in the passing game. He's got some receptions. He runs for 175 yards against the shitty fucking Carolina defense. Is it possible? Absolutely. And that's what we're catering to. Into receivers, we got Stephon Diggs, Deshaun Jackson, and Marquise Brown. Now, here's where you see the upside play. Would you ever want these guys in a safe lineup? Maybe Hollywood. Maybe. Just because of the the stack there with Lamar. But the upside here is bombs, big touchdowns. Prime example is Deshaun Jackson's one game he played in last year against Washington, week one last season where he had two touchdowns and two huge plays. So that's what you're looking for in this. Somebody to smash and digs against the Jets, Jackson against Washington, and Marquise Brown stacked with Lamar. If Lamar is going to finish where he finishes, it's probably meaning a good day for Marquise too. So my question is, is, um, I know we had talked about off-air quite a bit about ownership, and that matters in these tournaments. Um, 
do you think that Lamar Jackson and Hollywood is going to be a, a high owned duo in this in this tournament um, and these lineups? I would or does it not matter? So in it, no, it does matter. Ownership is a is a big thing that we haven't talked about. Where kind of what Bryce is talking about is you want your lineup to be different from other people. There might be somebody else out there that has this exact same lineup. So if I finish in first, I'm not finishing in first. I'm finishing tied for first. Although yes, I'm winning a lot of money. But there's so many entrants into this where what Bryce is talking about is can you build a contrarian lineup, something that maybe doesn't necessarily fit, but that you're also comfortable with. So there's got to be a lot of people out there that are stacking Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown together off the offseason that we've seen with Hollywood Brown. The one thing that I think might keep their ownership a little down is a lot of people don't like to pay up for quarterback, and Lamar Jackson is the most expensive quarterback on the main slate for Sunday. And then also the fact that they're playing Cleveland, and Cleveland has a good pass rush. They have a pretty good defense. Cleveland beat them last year, so who who knows exactly how this game would turn out i i like to think that baltimore would smash them but also what comes with baltimore smashing cleveland is a negative game script for excuse me a positive game script for hollywood brown where he could not be as involved it's a tournament though you're kind of playing here and there but yes you make a good point with ownership you think about will this guy be like 100 percent owned in every single lineup then you can play him but know that other people are smashing him as well. I think it's just focus less on ownership, right? And find the lineup that makes the most sense. And then maybe go back and double check and see where these guys are landing on other people's rosters. And maybe you can you can swap some things around. But I think the more there's more focus on value and, and managing the budget because when we talk about cash here in a little bit, that that is where things get difficult. So Back back to ownership too. Why are these guys being why are these guys highly owned? Because they're set up to smash and score fantasy points. So don't you want to play that? So if you get too intricate and too sweaty with your ownership, you're going to be end up playing fucking Dwayne Haskins and so like it's a contrarian lineup, sure, but it's a contrarian lineup for a reason. Is because he's not projected and he's not in a good position to score fantasy points. So do you want to play that in your lineup? Uh, personally, I really don't. Can you hit on that a few times? Yeah, sure, there might be a random week where, say, next week you play Dwayne Haskins, and I actually have done this in a tournament lineup where I stacked Dwayne Haskins with Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, and then it kind of got fucked up because I had Miles Sanders as my running back to game stack and play off of that game, but now I don't think I'm going to play Miles Sanders because of his limited yeah. touches that he could I was, receive. I was going to bring that up, too, because that's what was in our lineups originally was we had – a lot of uh, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, or Dalvin Cook, uh, Mixon, and Sanders. And Sanders was a focal point in all of our lineups this week, and we've had to remove him from most of, if not all, of those lineups because this injury is so concerning. And I think originally he was the best-valued player of this entire fucking week. He really was. Like, we had we had him in every single one of our lineups, and, and now – We've had to replace them, and it's made it twice as hard to put together decent lineups where we feel either safe about it or we like the upside in it as well. Well, here's where you can finally save a little bit of money. Hayden Hurst going for 5,200 uh, in a matchup against Seattle. We saw Austin Hooper uh, as Atlanta was down on a lot of that game last year where these two teams played. Cook 
uh, the Seattle secondary and linebackers. KJ Wright, I believe, was out in that game. He's back, and the secondary is much improved. But still, Hayden Hurst in a game we expect to be a shootout is really a smash in every DFS lineup, cash or tournament, from what we've seen. And then, Chase, explain this one. In the flex, it's Tariq Cohen for 5,200. So this is our free square, and this will be swapped out. My my lineup will be rebuilt if, for some reason, David Montgomery is a go. But at 5,200, if you go look at Tariq Cohen's game log from two years ago, he has multiple games. He has 38-point games, 30-point games. He has the 40-point ceiling, that threshold that I talked about, where in – is it possible for Tariq Cohen with David Montgomery out going against a shitty Detroit team to absolutely pop off? Hell yeah. And he's 5,200, so it's that free square that actually allows me to then play Lamar, Christian McCaffrey, and Josh Jacobs, who are three of the most expensive players on the slate. But it sounds like David Montgomery is doing a lot better than expected health-wise and, and might be coming back and, and ready for week one. So in that case, you know, who is a guy that you would maybe replace Tariq with? Uh, do you have any backups on that? So there's some good backups that, unfortunately, not at the same price, so you'd have to remodel your lineup a little bit. But at running back, Jonathan Taylor is only $200 more expensive than Tariq Cohen. He's at 5400 on FanDuel. He gets Jacksonville. I would only play Jonathan Taylor in tournaments. And we built a lineup a long time ago, actually, right when the salaries came out, probably yep. three weeks ago, where we were actually playing Jonathan Taylor in cash games. And why I've shifted on this is like at that time, it really looked like Jonathan Taylor was dominating camp. And then kind of learning from camp, what we've heard from the Colts is that Marlon Mack looked really good too. And why just why I wouldn't play Jonathan Taylor in, in cash is he could get five carries but what happened but i see see the thing that i i think is going to happen in this game is indy's going to go up and i think jacksonville's the perfect team to let jonathan taylor just run wild let your rookie go in a matchup that you probably expect to win um unless the jaguars shock the world and and everything like why not just let jonathan taylor run free in that matchup the moment you go up and score with the offensive because, line and everything, you know, I, I, I get Marlon Mack is going to take touches away, but the upside of JT um, seems seems pretty realistic in this type of match. Right, but you you just said it yourself, though. The upside, what seems realistic, that's what fits that tournament game. Am I going to bet $100 on a cash lineup that Jonathan Taylor does that? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Sure. The floor isn't quite there. Um, mm -hmm. Could it happen? Yes, and that's why then I stick him into a tournament lineup where he could run for 150 yards and two touchdowns. They could be absolutely smashing the Jaguars and the entire second half could be Jonathan Taylor running wild. That's absolutely possible, but I put him in my tournament lineup for that reason. The other two that I have is James White. This is kind of what I talked about. He's 5,300 right in between Tariq Cohen and Jonathan Taylor. They play Miami. So again, the floor is actually what I'm a little bit worried about. Although he does have a, a pretty high floor because of receptions. But if for some reason that game were to change um, game script, yeah, at at five thousand three hundred, James White could score twenty five fantasy points. He's could be a free square. The Sony, Sony Michelle news kind of turned me off at of that a little bit. I was assuming that it was just going to be James White. Then I would play him everywhere. 
And then the last one at 4,600, essentially as cheap as it gets, I have a question mark next to his name, is Antonio Gibson. Only playing in tournaments, I might not even play him because it's so uncertain what his role is, but at at $4,600 against the Eagles, maybe one of your contrarian lineups could be you're playing Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, and Antonio Gibson, and then you run it back with, if Jalen Rager doesn't play, you run it back with Deshaun Jackson. Anything like that. Finally, we're going to wrap it up with defense. And this is one that we've kind of, you know, already talked about it, both in rapid fire and, and just talking here about how bad Jacksonville has been, but it's the Colts. And uh, what you're looking for with defense is it's not necessarily the get me a shutout defense and get me a bunch of three and outs. That doesn't score fantasy points. Sure. Not allowing points keeps you around 10 and a couple sacks, 12 points, maybe a forced fumble, something like that. 13, 14 points. Cool. You're looking for touchdowns. You're looking for havoc plays. You're looking for all sorts of crazy bullshit. And Gardner Minshew slinging it the whole second half makes me think there's going to be some bullshit in this game. We're going to see some picks. We're going to see some fumbles. We might see some touchdowns. And the Indianapolis Colts seem like the smash defense to play this week because they're as cheap as it gets. $3,700. I mean, that you build this lineup and you're going, okay, this is looking really good. Oh God, I forgot. I got to play a defense. And then they post the Colts for that much. It just seemed too good to be true for me. Yeah. So I honestly like looking at the slate, I think there are literally only two defenses to play in order for you to build the best uh, roster at other positions. And, and like you said, it's, it's definitely the Colts at 3,700, but there's one other one that I think you could take a gamble on and that's the Miami Dolphins playing the the Patriots at 3,500 with an upgraded defense compared to last year with a brand-new quarterback in New England with limited receiving options in New England with limited running options in New England. There is a possibility that Miami kind of holds them to less than 20 points this game. And, and I'm, I'm seeing things about Cam uh, throwing multiple interceptions in camp and, and all this stuff. He's really struggling. And I think that, I think that to, to start off the week hot for New England, I think that's what everyone's expecting. And I think it's going to go completely the other way. I think this is going to be a much better defense than what people are expecting in Miami. And I think it's going to present a real challenge to the receiving options um, with, with Byron Jones added to this defense. It's just... He's one of the best corners in the league. Like, it's going to be a lot harder. And Cam, like I said earlier, only one season where he's thrown over a 62% completion percentage. That's not good. And everything else has been bad his whole entire career. So I expect a lot of turnovers in this game. So the way that you feel about Miami is the way that I feel about another team on this slate, kind of a cheaper option, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they're playing the New Orleans Saints, who are a high-powered offense. There could be a lot of points scored in this game. But what Kevin talked about is the misconception that you want to play defense that's going to shut the other team out. Sure. Do I want Tampa to shut New Orleans out? Yeah. But how I want that to happen is the word that Kevin used in havoc plays. And what correlates to fantasy points for defenses is teams – the opposing team throwing the ball more. Why? Because you get more fantasy points for sacks and for interceptions, which can result in fantasy points for you and interceptions for touchdowns, pick sixes, and those havoc plays that we talked about. 
and there's more opportunities when the quarterback is dropping back to pass for the Tampa Bay completely upgraded and looking dominant defensive line to get to Drew Brees and create havoc on the Saints and more opportunities for interceptions. Sure, Tampa Bay's fucking secondary is horrible, but that just creates a pass funnel defense for New Orleans to attack, and it fits perfectly into that the game script I'm talking about where all it is is Drew Brees dropping back, and if I get lucky, maybe I get a pick six, maybe I get two picks, and their new defensive line is just going absolutely crazy, gets me six or seven sacks, and all of a sudden that defensive play was a smash at 3,800. The other one is $700 more expensive, and it's the Eagles defense mainly because for the same reason that the Colts are playing Gardner Minshew, the Eagles are playing Dwayne Haskins, who could be fucking, he could throw five interceptions. I, I like Dwayne Haskins, but it's, I would, I know we started before, but week one, first start, here we go. This is my team, my season. Dwayne Haskins could be a fucking wreck. All right, rolling into a cash lineup. So the difference here, you just want to be safe. Give me a top 50 lineup out of a hundred guys and I'm good. And I think this one is really solid and there's a few, few question marks. Sure. But it's not going to be a perfect lineup, but you don't have enough money to build a perfect lineup. Starting at the top, the biggest question mark is Teddy Bridgewater, 6,800 bucks against Vegas at home. But what Chase has done in this one is he stacked it with DJ Moore, And not only that, but also Josh Jacobs. And the reason for that, Chase, you can explain a little bit more detail is you think that the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be up in this one, running the ball with Jacobs, and the Carolina Panthers are throwing their way back into the game with Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore. Yeah, so when you're building your lineups, you need to play the game out in your head, essentially, and what would happen if this happens. So like Kevin was saying, if Josh Jacobs is running wild, most likely the Raiders are ahead because one, look at Josh Jacobs splits in and out of leads. Um, he runs for a hundred and something yards when the, when the Raiders won and it was, he was kept under 80 uh, when the Raiders were trailing and he was essentially taken out of the game. So if Josh Jacobs is running wild, which I want him to, that's why I'm playing in my lineup that correlates perfectly with Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore, probably his number one target, maybe Christian McCaffrey, but that plays into that game flow. You want to you want to target the game flows that you see most likely happening and then stack in within those games. I just am very hesitant about Teddy B because I I don't know what he is and I think you're right when it comes to cash that this is going to be a, a perfect matchup for him to be a safe play at quarterback and for you to build the rest of the roster that you want. Originally when we, when we had Miles Sanders in the lineups, I was playing a lot of Matt Ryan and I was squeezing in Julio Jones and Hayden Hurst. I was going with a with a, a three-player stack. And and I, I found that Terry McLaurin is one of the cheaper wide receiver options that, you know, feels like, for me, very safe. Um, Kevin has mentioned that uh, Slay is going to be on him. And, and last time that Slay was on him, he went, uh, I think it was four for 68 on 11 targets and no touchdowns. To me... That's not a bad stat line for a rookie going up against a an experienced corner. And he had 11 targets. And I think we're all expecting Dwayne Haskins to take a step forward this year. We're expecting Terry McLaurin to take a step forward this year. And I think I think if you're getting 11 targets, you're going to you're going to have a safe floor. And I think four receptions is 
if you bump that up to six or seven and you th- sprinkle in a touchdown there, then all of a sudden uh, Terry McLaurin is is one of the best wide receiver plays of the week. So I really like Terry. I really like DJ Chark at 6,600. Uh, Chase has talked me into um, finding any way possible to fit Tyler Lockett into your lineups. I love that play. You know that that's going to be a shootout between Atlanta and Seattle. Um, if we scroll down the list here, I even think Henry Ruggs could be. Uh, it's a, it's definitely more risky. I think R- Ruggs is a riskier play, but you know that they're going to use him a lot. There's no established wide receiver one in this offense, and uh, yeah, I think I think of of all those wide receivers, Hollywood Brown's another good value at 5,900. But yet again, still a little riskier. So um, we ended up having a lot of DJ Moore and Tyler Lockett in our in our cash lineups. So, so Ruggs was a guy that I would only play in tournaments. I had him kind of listed as my a potential cheap lineup maker at 5,100. Uh, Hollywood Brown's 59. The other two that I had uh, was Christian Kirk actually at 5,800 against San Francisco. I think he's underrated. And then Deshaun Jackson at 57. Yeah, like Deshaun Jackson at 57. The uh, the commonality here between the two lineups uh, is going to be Hayden Hurst. And the value there, as soon as you start scrolling down through tight ends, is that you're going, in the matchup that we anticipate to be a shootout, throwing Lockett and Hurst in together fits pretty perfectly. And then Hurst is on the cheap at 5200 bucks, yeah. So that looks like a smash. The reason why you've got Allen Robinson in here, you, you go, oh, wow, 7200 for Allen Robinson. He's the only guy. He's yeah. the only guy getting, you know, absorbing those targets. So it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. We know what Allen Robinson can do and has done for years, his entire fucking career without a quarterback. It, you're just hoping for a big game from him. And it really, it doesn't even have to be big. Just catch the touchdown as the team's working down into the red zone. Get that safe floor going again. And and you should be good at receiver with DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Allen Robinson, and then uh, Hayden Hurst at tight end. I really like. So here's actually. The... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're okay. So he was actually the last guy that I put in. So what I did is I built up my lineup with all of those game stacks, the Teddy Bridgewater, DJ Moore, Josh Jacobs, K, check those off the box, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Lockett. Then I went defense tight end, and and I really look for the value in defense. I'm not one to really pay up for a, a, a super high-priced defense nor a tight end because Hayden Hurst could be the tight end one. And I know that I talked about that we want safe – and the sign up, but it's a fucking tight end. You go three for 32 and a touchdown, and you're safe. So Hayden Hurst is a smash a tight end, like Kevin said, in, in cash and tournament. And then I just happened to have, and it fit perfectly. I know there's zero game stack, zero lineup correlation sticking Allen Robinson in there, but I just happened to have 7,200 bucks. And he's the only guy there. Am I a little nervous because? Mitch Trubisky could get benched at any time. Sure, but Nick Foles is behind him. It's not like it's fucking Nathan Peterman behind him or something like that. So he's the only guy there. He happened to fit perfectly. I think he's got, projection-wise, he's a top 10 wide receiver in week one and has a, a high floor based on target volume and the fact that who the fuck is guarding him because Darius Slay is no more in Detroit. His matchup should be rookie First start, Jeff Okuda. And when it when it comes to tight ends, there there weren't a ton of options that that we really liked. Um, if you wanted to to drop the price 
a little bit more. You can go with Chris Herndon. I don't love the matchup against Buffalo, but volume's going to be expected with Chris Herndon. Like it, it's between him and Crowder at the moment, and we don't know if Denzel Mims is going to be 100% by week one. But if you wanted to take another step back and go even cheaper, there's been so much hype and uh, talk about Logan Thomas being utilized in this offense in Washington. So he seems very risky, but at 4,000, you can do a lot with your lineup and it still provides you with some upside because there's no one besides Terry McLaurin in Washington catching the football. And if the, if the team is coming out and saying that Logan Thomas is doing great and they plan on using him a bunch, I'm, I'm kind of buying into it because there literally is nothing else besides those two guys. That's it. That is the lineup. Those are the lineups. That's your rapid fire. That's your news. And that is episode 26 of Tutty Talk. It's week one, guys. We finally fucking made it. We did it. We got football back. COVID couldn't stop it. It's happening. And while we may not get a whole season in, we're going to enjoy this first week and weekend of football. Happy football season, everybody. Follow us at Tutty Talk smash that five star for the review on apple podcast and we will talk tutties and week one recap with you next week